0: The scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. It can be found on page 839 in the Black Bibles. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately, to his own disciples, he explained everything. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks Kevin and Mary so much. Uh, let's pray as we look into these two similar parables this morning. Father, we thank you that you are, in fact, the king over all things, and that you are, even now, because Jesus has come, making earth look more like heaven. You have given us a role in that, and I pray, Father, that you would uh, show us that this morning and motivate us uh, to see what you are doing in the world and to participate in it with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 1930s, um, an anonymous individual in Southern California had a problem. He had either been given or he had won at like a carnival or something, because this was popular at the time. He, He had somehow found himself with two goldfish in a bag that he then took home and put in a bowl, and he had two goldfish at his house, and... He got some goldfish food and he began to feed the goldfish, but it wasn't very long where he was like, you know what, I don't want goldfish. I didn't buy these goldfish. I don't really want to take care of these goldfish, but this was a kind and merciful man. He did not want to murder the goldfish, so he didn't do what I probably would have done, which is just dump it in the toilet and flush it and forget about it. He wanted to set these two cute little goldfish free. He wanted them to have a life. He wanted them to thrive, and so he took them to a lake to the east of Los Angeles called Crystal Lake, and he blessed them, and he dumped the two cute little goldfish into the lake and set them free, and these cute little goldfish lived it up in the lake. They ate, they grew, they mated, so two cute little goldfish became more, and their kiddos lived it up too. They ate. They grew, they mated, and by 1941, invasive carp, which is another way of saying two cute little goldfish that had grown like monstrously gigantic, had invaded this lake so much that it was destroying the ecosystem in this lake. Because these goldfish who had turned into carp uh, were sucking up all of the food, and it was killing the native fish in the lake. They were also so hungry that they were eating the tadpoles. The tadpoles turned into frogs. The frogs ate the bugs. The bugs that would normally have been on the plants uh, and kept the plants from dying, which the wildlife ate. And so the entire ecosystem of this place was dying because there were no frogs to eat the bugs. The bugs were eating the plants. The native uh, animals didn't have any plants to eat. And the whole thing was just crazy. And it was chaos because... Two cute little goldfish were dumped into this lake. They were so small. They were so insignificant. But they grew and they changed everything. Such it is, Jesus says, with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God starts small, it grows slowly. And ultimately, it transforms everything. But the question for us this morning is to to ask, can we see what God is doing in the world? Can we see the work of God in the world? Are we purposeful and passionate about participating with Him in His mission to establish and to grow His kingdom? Now, it's interesting because in Mark... These so-called parables of the kingdom don't take up a lot of real estate in the gospel of Mark. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 13, you'd see a lot more parables just like this one. Mark Mark is the kind of evangelist, the apostle, who just runs with his hair on fire straight to the cross. He doesn't spend a lot of time loitering in, in parables and miracles. If you want to read more about that, Matthew and Luke spend a lot more time there, you um, Marcus is really driving us to the cross, but here he stops and he focuses on really what is the key to the teaching and the ministry of Jesus, what he calls the kingdom of God. So before we move on to the particulars of these parables, I want to piggyback just a little bit on some of what Andres started last week to make sure that we are all working off of the same definition of the kingdom of God. Because if we aren't. Uh, chaos will definitely ensue, because the kingdom of God is a critical phrase in the New Testament. In fact, it is the way that Jesus self-identifies with his mission in this world. I have come to inaugurate, to bring, Jesus says, the kingdom of God. And then he tells a bunch of parables about what the kingdom of God is like. So what is this thing called the kingdom of God? Well, Very simply defined, the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus over all of his creation. It's the rule and the reign of Jesus over all his creation. So when you see the phrase in the New Testament, kingdom of God, or as Matthew calls it, the kingdom of heaven, don't think about a territory. Don't think about like the United Kingdom, you know, an island with boundaries. Think about the scope and the expanse of all of God's rule in the world. And how do you know what the scope and the expanse of the rule of God is? Well, you know it and you see it anywhere what is true in heaven is also true on earth. This is exactly how Jesus defines uh, the vision for his kingdom. It is what he asks us to pray for. That's why we had the, we prayed together uh, in our worship service this morning, the Lord's Prayer. We did that on purpose because Jesus says this Thy kingdom come, which means what? Thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. This is very important, super important. And I want you to hear this because this is something that we struggle with. Because one of the things that this means is this, the kingdom of God is more than, but it is certainly not less than, individuals becoming Christians and going to heaven when they die. It is more than that, but it is definitely not less than that. The kingdom of God is wherever the marks of heaven are made manifest on this earth. So. In heaven, everyone who is there fully and joyfully submits themselves to the lordship of Jesus. Everyone in heaven is in perfect and harmonious relationship with God. So what does that mean? about the kingdom of God on this earth. Well, it means this, that the mark of heaven being manifest on earth means that people from every tribe and nation and language under heaven come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is part and parcel of the manifestation of the kingdom of God on this earth. So, telling people how to come into relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a major part of the mission of the church in the world. It is part of our privilege to participate in the growth of the kingdom of God on this earth. But here's the thing, it doesn't stop there. In heaven, all human relationships are in perfect peace. So, Reconciliation of relationships, both big and small, both systemic and individual, are part and parcel of the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. So big things like racial reconciliation which which is which is such a tragic part of the history of our own country, but smaller things like fractured marriages being repaired and returning to health. These are all a part of the earth manifesting marks of the kingdom of God. So it is a part of the mission of the church Part of our privilege to participate in the growth of God, of the kingdom of God in the world by being agents of reconciliation, both big and small. Now, I'm spending some time on this for a reason. And the reason that I'm spending some time on this is that we have a challenge as Christians in America in 2020. And we have challenged those who are in pastoral ministry and in leadership in the church We have a challenge as well, and one of the challenges that we have is that we live in a day and an age which is becoming more and more and more, and not less, but more and more politicized. Everything is politicized. It's really kind of tragic, and it kind of makes it hard to be a pastor. Um, That's my confession. Y'all should feel sorry for me. All right, moving on. But it's actually a fact. It's a fact that any cultural critique right now or any cultural affirmation immediately in the minds of a lot of people in our country, turns into either a partisan affirmation or a partisan critique. And it gives anyone an excuse either to affirm it, yeah, you tell them, or to ignore it. Why? Well, here's why. It's because whatever has been said has been, is being filtered through the partisan mind, which is more easy to form frankly, in the way that we are exposed to, 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 to things in our world, than a mind that is formed by the full orbed of the Word of God. In other words, my contention is this. Right now, on accident, I think, potentially on purpose, but, but largely on accident, a lot of people in our country are reading God's Word through a politi- politicized mind, a mind that has been formed to to filter everything out in partisan ways rather than the opposite, rather than filtering everything through the full-orbed aspect of God's Word. What this means is that it makes it easier to live in in either-or world where the Bible teaches us to live in a both-and world. It's easier for us to live in an either-or world where the Bible is con- trying to convince us to live in a both-and world. So for some who identify as Christians in America, it, it, it becomes either-or, right? You, you'll probably read this somewhere. So, so you'll hear critiques that say people that are really concerned about justice in the world aren't concerned about the gospel. It's either justice or the gospel, Right? Or you'll hear, okay, people in the world that are really concerned about systemic things like racial reconciliation aren't concerned about evangelism. It's either racial reconciliation or it's evangelism. Y'all, this is wrong. Flat out, 100%. It's just wrong. And I feel like I'm on pretty solid ground in stating that because Jesus says that. If we can find the full extent and the full expanse of what the Bible calls the gospel only to an individual's personal relationship with Jesus and going to heaven when they die, then what have we done? We have dismissed Jesus' own explanation for everything that he was doing when he came to this earth, which was to bring back together what had been undone. Duly separated through sin, where earth and heaven were one. Where earth and heaven were one. So that things on this earth become just as they are in heaven. That's the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. So a little practical application here. I would encourage you to avoid... Dismissing a follower of Jesus, a a fellow follower, a brother or sister in Christ, who is very passionate about something like racial reconciliation or issues of justice and mercy in the world, to, to avoid dismissing them using words like social justice warrior. Don't do that. First of all, it's derisive. It's unbecoming of a follower of Jesus to do that. But second, it doesn't take into account that that may be what God has gifted that person to do in this world as a manifestation, as a partial manifestation, not the full thing, but a partial manifestation of the kingdom of God in the world. Now, this may be uncomfortable for, for some of you, and, and and that's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. I, I encourage you just to sit in the uncomfortableness of it. Um, Jesus did not come to this earth to make us comfortable. He came to make us holy. Um and, and, and I'm uncomfortable all the time. And holiness includes understanding that the kingdom of God is both personal reconciliation with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this world that we live in, this earth, in the present time, more and more manifesting what is true in heaven. Now, this actually sounds exciting. This sounds like something worth actually living toward and living into and pursuing. It also sounds like we should expect big things all the time. Like everything should be like gigantic and huge and new and bright and flashy and cymbals and trumpets and lightning and thunder. But this is where things get a little bit confusing. Well, I, that was also confusing. This is where things get even more confusing. Because what does this look like? How does it start? How does it end? What, what 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 are we looking for here and what are we participating in? Well, Jesus says that the kingdom of God starts small and it grows slowly. The kingdom of God that transforms everything starts small and it grows slowly. The kingdom of God starts small. There is a reason, I want to remind you, there is a reason that Jesus had to speak in parables. And there's also a reason, as verse 34 reminds us, that nobody understood what he was talking about. He had to to explain these things to his own disciples. And that is because, just like we are formed in a particular way in our own culture, first century Jews had also been formed to expect a particular thing with the coming of the Messiah. Their own reading of the Old Testament, combined with a bunch of tradition, you know, from the 400-year gap between the, 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 the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the coming of Jesus, had convinced them that the Messiah was going to be this unmistakable, completely recognizable, powerful, charismatic military leader. They were looking for this guy that was going to come with power. He's going to be like seven feet tall and strikingly handsome and powerful, charismatic. He was supposed to gather an army and arm them all and march into Jerusalem and defeat the Romans and kick them out and establish his literal kingdom like in those gates of that city and sit there on a throne with his followers, you know, surrounding him. That's what he was supposed to do. That's what they were expecting. In other words, what they were expecting is exactly what you and I believe a powerful, charismatic leader in our day and age should also do. So much so that there was a time when John the Baptist was in jail. John the Baptist's first clue that he might have been wrong was, in fact, that he was in jail. John the Baptist, who had gone before Jesus saying, prepare the way of the Lord at one point while he was in prison, sent some of his own disciples to ask Jesus, so, Jesus, are you really the one who was supposed to come, or are we supposed to be looking for another? The implication is, you're not doing what we thought you were going to do. You're healing people of their diseases, and you're talking about the kingdom of God, and we are looking for a military leader, and oh, by the way, I'm in jail, you know, and it's it's a logical question. Why? Because the kingdom of God was inaugurated in a stable in the middle of the night in a town outside of Jerusalem called Bethlehem by a baby. And this is exactly what Jesus tells us that we're supposed to expect. The kingdom of God is the scattering of seed, a mustard seed in the second parable to be exact. Now, I didn't really know what a mustard seed looked like, so I Googled it this week. I have a picture of a mustard seed up there somewhere. Well, there's, oh, here it comes. That's a mustard seed. If you put a mustard seed on the tip of your finger, you would have plenty of skin left over to see. It's very, very small. And Jesus says that's the kingdom of God. That's how it starts. That's what it looks like. Now, this is a real challenge for us. But I also think it should be and can be a massive encouragement. Because what Jesus is encouraging us to do is to keep our eyes open for the small things. Not just the big things, the small things. One lost sheep returning to the fold is what Jesus says he rejoices over. Not 40,000 people filling a gigantic arena you know, um, in, in 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 a in in a giant church service, one sheep coming back, two women having coffee, sharing each other's burdens, carrying each other's burdens, praying for one another. Not a viral blog post that is seen by one point five million people. A meal taken out of love to a family in need not just the receipt of a support letter that says if you give me your money my ministry is going to change the world it usually doesn't this is a major challenge for us why because we have three spiritual challenges that make it hard for us to see the work of god in the small things those three challenges are these they get progressively worse we're americans we're Texans and we're Houstonians. That makes it difficult for us to see the work of God in the small things. You know, if you were a Christian in China right now or in North Korea, this would make complete sense to you. Total sense because all you see is the small things. You know, you don't you, you don't you don't expect your culture to be Christian. You just expect you just want your neighbor to become a Christian and you don't want to go to jail and die. That's what you expect, but we expect different sorts of things, and so we falsely conclude, and this is a tragedy, that small signs of the kingdom, small acts of faithfulness, well, they're really not that faithful at all, because if they were faithful, they would just be bigger, right? After all, a pastor who spent the last 50 years of his life preaching the word of God to 50 people in a dying Appalachian town, well... He's not that successful, is he? But maybe the pastor who preaches to thousands, who has a you know a, a streaming show to the entire world, who has twelve sites of his church, who has a podcast, who gets invited to speak at all of the conferences, but never talks to his wife and his children hate him. But that guy is making an impact for the kingdom, or is he? This leads us to a question. What are you looking for? And what do you celebrate when you see it? What do you look at and say, I see the work of God here. I see the work of God here. Or are you so cynical that you actually never do that? And that, that might be another problem with us. is We just say, yeah, I never see it. Everything is terrible all the time. Seeking out, looking for Finding and celebrating small manifestations of the kingdom of God is a very important spiritual practice. And it's also very difficult for us. Here's some examples. This could never happen to you. It, it may have happened to me or, and Shannon on a couple of occasions. I can't remember. If your child tells a lie um, and then thinks about it for a day or so and comes back and apologizes to you for lying to you, Throw a party. Throw a party. Now, you still have to parent that situation, so you might have to throw that party internally. But but throw a party. Why? Because there, in that moment, is a mustard seed manifestation of the work of God. If you are talking to your husband or to your wife, and you can tell, because you've been here and done that, that conflict is brewing, right? Right? And somehow, you would have known that eight months ago, when your husband or your wife pushed that one button, that only they know where it is, but they know where it is, they pushed it, and you know, eight months ago, you would have just exploded everywhere, shrapnel all over the house. But this time, you are able to step back, and you're able to think, wow, why is it that that makes me so Angry? What's going on in my own heart? And how can I respond in a way that diffuses this situation rather than exacerbate? If you ever think that once, throw a party, kill the fattened calf. Because therein lies a mustard seed manifestation of the work of God. Let's say that you are at school and you are taking a test and you don't know the answer. And three months ago, without ever thinking twice about it, you would have just looked at the paper of the person sitting next to you. But then you went to Sunday school and you realized that there are these things called the Ten Commandments. And and they tell you not to lie or to steal. And you think, well, maybe this is both lying and stealing. And maybe I shouldn't do that. And so you get the question wrong. Throw a party. Throw a party because there in that moment is a mustard seed manifestation of the presence of the kingdom of God. But a mustard seed doesn't remain a mustard seed. It does grow. It grows slowly. Have you ever gone, you know, uh, in Houston, it's a pretty transient city. So, you know, uh, people I have known that have been part of Christ the King, and maybe they left 15 years ago, right? And I haven't seen them, I haven't heard from them. But I'll get a Christmas card, and and, and on that Christmas card, I will be like, I do not recognize you at all, your children. Like, you know, there were three, and now they're 18. You know, it's like, uh, these are not the same people. But they are the same people. And if I were to tell them that, man, you have changed so much. They would think, I kind of look like I always did. You know, why do I perceive one thing and they perceive another thing? Well, it's because that growth doesn't just take place like that. A person doesn't really go from 3 years old to 18 years old. They have like manifesting ages, you know, all the way through. They grow slowly. Slowly. And that's the way it is with the growth of the kingdom of God in the world. It's like a man, the first parable, it's like a man who scatters seed on the ground and then he just goes to bed. This guy's not a great farmer, you know. He scatters seed on the ground, he sleeps, he rises, the seeds grow, it bears fruit. He doesn't know how it happened. That's, you know, it just happens. There are two things that we can pay attention to in that parable. First... The growth of the kingdom of God is very much the work of God. God is at work. God has not abandoned His world. God has not abandoned His people. God has not abandoned you, if you are one of His people. And you may still struggle with things in your heart and in your life, and you may still struggle with with sin. You, that you that that uh, that you, you know it's just been. Uh, a thorn for you, but God has not abandoned you. He is growing that seed slowly but surely. And that's the second encouraging part of Jesus' words. This takes place over time. Some of you have gardened before, and you know that if you've done that, you have never planted a seed and then gone and gotten a cup of water and then come back and boom, it was full-grown healthy plant. It doesn't work like that. It takes time. Sometimes it's very imperceptible. Sometimes bugs and things get on, and some of the leaves die, and they may fall off. But nevertheless, it grows. And because that is the, the, the way that Jesus is talking about us expecting and seeing the work of God, both in ourselves and in the world, here is a potential spiritual New Year's resolution for you for 2020. The people of Christ the King. Here's something I would want to encourage you in is this. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with other people and even be patient with God. Be patient with yourself. I know that some of you expect yourselves to be perfect. You expect everything you touch to turn to gold. You expect not to struggle so much with things in your life. You expect this year to be different from last year. You expect to say, you know, this year I, I am not going to worry so much. And then you go to bed worrying about not worrying. Or you say, this year I am not going to respond to my children in anger. But it's the very first thing that you do. And then you beat yourself up for your failures. And one of the things that that does is it causes you the inability to look for and see. Because you're looking for big things, right? You forget to see the work of God in the small things. And you forget to celebrate those things. If you expect perfection in yourself, you will always be disappointed. Always. And it leads to another point. Be patient with others as well. Because if you expect perfection in yourself you will always be disappointed in other people too. That's just a fact. One of the things that makes it so difficult for people who expect perfection in themselves is that their standard for other people is extraordinarily high. And when people don't meet those expect- expectations, they can be hard on them. Maybe you know this because you grew up in a family like that or, uh, or or you have friends that are that way or a boss that is that way or you are that way yourself. But remember this. God has each person on their own growth path. God has each person on their own spiritual journey. And when you are interacting with another person, what you are asking God to do is to help you discern where that person is on their journey with the Lord. Not where that person is with respect to your own expectations for them. This actually helps with parenting, by the way. Um, to where where's God taking them I remember one of our pastors years ago Richard Colquitt one time saying from this pulpit when you're talking to another person one of the things that you should think about and see is on their head tattooed the words fragile handle with care because you don't know where that person is on their journey you don't know what they're struggling with and where they are but God is growing them and finally be patient with God. Now, don't hear me say something that I'm not saying here. I am not saying, hey, cut God some slack. He's trying the best he can. You people are difficult, and he just can't quite get it done. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, I, I'm saying step back from your expectations for what you believe God is supposed to be doing at this moment in your life and in the lives of the world and in other people. And recognize that as a human being, your headlights only extend so far. You can only see so far. Whereas God's headlights extend through all eternity, past, present, and into the future. So when you go through really, really, really hard things, it's okay to say, God, what are you doing? The psalmist does that all the time. God, the wicked are thriving over here. Everything is great, and the righteous are suffering. What are you doing? You can ask that question. That is okay. But then step back and open yourself up for for the fact that you don't have all of the information actually to know. We don't always know what God is doing. But one thing that we do know is this. He is growing His kingdom. He is growing his kingdom and is growing it to the extent that there will come a time that not even the gates of hell. The gates of hell are defensive. The kingdom of God is offensive. God is not saying, hey, everybody just hunker down and we'll be okay in this world. He says that's not what he's saying. He is saying the kingdom of God is advancing through this world and the power of Satan and the gates of hell will not withstand it. There will come a day. Through the work of Jesus, at the return of Jesus, when heaven and earth will become one again, where the kingdom of God will be made manifest. Until then, it's small and it grows slowly. So be patient. Look for the kingdom of God. Look for the work of God in the small things. It can be very encouraging to you. Celebrate those things when you see them. Maybe maybe mark them. Write them down cook a special dinner, because the kingdom of God starts small, grows slowly, ultimately transforms everything. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are at work in the world and you are at work in our lives. Help us to have eyes to see, even in the small things, what it is that you are doing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.